What I've come to realise, Thomas, is that as soon as people hear sleigh bells on any form of media, then they know that something Christmassy is about to happen. Yes, well, they think something Christmassy is about to happen. Shall we talk about funerals now, then? (laughs) I've never heard sleigh bells at a funeral, I have to say. Well, it's always nice to do something different. Perhaps you might at the funeral of the grandma that got run over by a reindeer. Would that be it might be a bit close, It might be a bit close to the bone, though, perhaps, for the, perhaps for the family. Was. But you have to remember, though, that it was part of the way. I mean, she, if she died the way she lived, then... Um, yeah. It's possible, possible also that it might actually be painful for the, for the reindeer in question. Well, that's also true, yes. <laughs> yes. He certainly died the way he... He lived, surrounded yeah. by jangling. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, here we are, one year on, and they said it would never last. One year on from... For the podcast. From the last... Well, no, not the last one. Not from the last one, no, no. because we, we were here a month ago. Mm. But mm. Uh, we started in my living room, where my son room, last year, next to the Christmas tree. And I remember you, um, you had difficulty working out which end of the microphone is which. <laughs> Unaccustomed as I am. Yeah. I think that's what you said then as well. Oh, right. (laughs) Uh, And, but anyway, we'll talk about your Christmas concert, which is coming up in a minute, but... um, It's coming up in a week. It's coming up in a week, but but we'll talk in a minute about the Christmas concert. Excuse me, I'm just going to have a little bit more of this Christmas gin. I think you ought to. Kindly being provided. It's very nice. Good time to mention our sponsors for this episode. (laughs) I wish we had them. Yeah. Then we wouldn't have had to buy it. No. Indeed, it could have been. We did, in fact, have to buy it. But it is Christmas gin. It isn't just gin at Christmas. That's correct. It's it's Christmas gin. Yeah. Which is, you know, itself a thing. Hmm. They've put Christmas, a certain amount of Christmas into every bottle. They've effectively bottled the sleigh bells. Hmm. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. The, what I was going to say is that, that now is the time for new beginnings, as far as I can tell, from the point of view of the choir, in that uh, everything seems to be all changed. You've got you've got new boys, new little boys coming in. Some of the medium-sized boys are becoming bigger boys. Yes, well, that's the, the sort of inevitability of it all. And we have, for, actually, I think really for the first time since I've been at St Mary's, I've allowed the what we call the probationers into the main choir all at once. And all from the start of this term, which is term four. Normally, there might be one or two that would make it. Um, but this uh, particular group of probationers, I think, have uh, have been really uh, very committed to, to learning as much as they can. And uh, the choir is better off for them. Now, having said that, it's a little bit stressful for me because as good as they are, um, they're still very new. And uh, being only eight or nine years old... They haven't always uh, sort of achieved complete or total mastery of their voices. <laughs> so every now and then we get a few squeaks. I can't say that I've noticed those, so you've been hiding them well. <laughs> well, I have sort of told them, you know, it's very important that you must sing, but sing quietly. <laughs> Don't ever sing too loudly where we might hear you. <laughs> and has that been working out? <laughs> Except when they get excited, which of course I love it when they get excited, but then I always have to say, but <laughs> But isn't that basically what you live for, though, when, uh, you know, the, the, the light in their eyes, when they kind of actually Absolutely learn to love right. what they I do? Absolutely right. I do love yeah. that. And I just try not to kind of put that light out. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's a question of kind of, um, you know, setting up the lens appropriately. Yeah, it is. And what I really try and get them to do is to take their lead from the older boys, from the, from the boys that are more experienced. And, and some of them are very good at, at leading and, and showing the younger ones what to do. Well, that's good. It's nice mm. to you know pass it on from one generation to the next, as it were. Indeed. And then, meanwhile, you've got um, boys who were choristers who are now scholars. Yes, and um, that's always actually rather sad for me because I know it'll happen that their voices will change and that um, hopefully they'll want to continue singing in the choir as a scholar. But normally, that has meant that um, they don't sing, they don't rehearse with me very often because I haven't always been able to, to take the scholars. Um, but towards the end of this year, um, we had some changes and I have started directing the scholars myself most of the time. And that's been a really um, delightful change for me to suddenly be working again with boys, of course, who I've still known in the choir program, but used to see them every day as choristers. Um, now, as scholars, they have a, a, a reduced schedule 
because obviously they're, they're as busier. Compared, as compared to choristers. That, that's right. Yeah. Um, but because I've been taking not all, but most of their rehearsals and conducting most of their performances, I've been able to um, stay a part of that. And I've really loved that. It's been great. So the scholars are boys whose voices have changed, as you say. You're not allowed that's to say right. broken. We don't break them. Right. Well, we try not to. <laughs> right. You're not allowed to say broken. We break their spirits, not their voices. And and so they're, they're boys who who... Came up as choristers, and then you you somehow keep them yeah. keep them around. Um, not all of them choose to stay as scholars, and that's okay because they will have been choristers for a number of years, and for some of them, that's enough. Right, that's okay, but. I encourage them to give it a go because it is very different. It is just not the same in any way as being a chorister. Uh, sure, there's um, there's um, fewer hours of rehearsal. They don't have as many performances. They're not expected to turn out every Sunday morning. But there is still a commitment. Um, but what I think is really interesting about it is that they don't sing often with the lay clerks or with other um, groups. It's just their own thing. So... They go at their own pace, and that's rather exciting because if, as is the case at the moment, they're all rather switched on and experienced and motivated, um, they can just sort of continue to, to do newer and more interesting music. They do different things from the, the choristers, as you say. They they, they they actually sing Vespers once a week, and which the, the choristers don't. That's right. Um, they sing on Saturday evenings, but also they can take on other projects and, and collaborations. So um, just recently they sang with the choirs at Santa Sabina School. Um, that's a girls' school in Sydney. In fact, one of the scholars said rather wryly, oh, Santa's come early this year um, when they had their opportunity. <laughs> to, to That's a pretty solid joke, isn't it? Well, I was impressed with it. Yes, yeah. I, I thought that was good. You, you want, want to know one of my father's favourite jokes? Yes. Which is, uh, he, he likes referring to, um, I'm not going to do the accent, he always does, but uh, an American ringing up the operator, and we, we, we have to assume that it's in the time period when Americans rang up operators, and he said, operator, operator, I want to call Santa Monica, to which the reply comes, well, you can if you like, but he's not going to like it. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, there we are. say Christmas is a coming in. Yes, you can hear the elves um, preparing our Christmas dinner. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, our, our somewhat previous Christmas dinner, but that's yeah, right. somewhat early. Yeah, mm. you of course have your Christmas concert, your event next week uh, from when we're recording. Yes, that's right. Well, it's one of many Christmas events, but it's it's one that um, does loom large in the choir's. Uh, Consciousness, because it's, it's an, an important opportunity for us to um, sing some lovely music to a, hopefully a large and appreciative audience. Yeah, so, and you've got an orchestra coming in to accompany you for that. We do. We have the wonderful Sinfonia Australis, um, which um, is part of the same organisation that uh, um, brings a pinch guard opera to life. And um, in in that respect, when, the, when these um, musicians play for pinch guard opera, they're known um as Orchestra of the Antipodes, that's is that right? right? That's yeah. the one, yes. So is it um, effectively the same players, just they go under well, many a of the same name. players, right? Yeah. Um, but in this case, they're playing so-called modern instruments rather than the baroque, baroque instruments, instruments that they right. otherwise play for pinch cut. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, when it comes time to to choosing repertoire for either for the Christmas concert or for other times at, at Christmas, are there any things that you that you think? Oh, we absolutely must not have. I mean, last last <laughs> month we heard about both the Little Drummer Boy. And uh, the Cower of the Bells, which are both out. Well, the Little Drummer Boy is out because it's banned by banned. the Dean of the Cathedral. Yeah. Um, the Carol of the Bells is out because Mrs. McCarthy really wants to have it. Oh, right, so it's just, just, to, just to get back at <laughs> just her. Just a perverse pleasure. <laughs> right. Um, and what else is out? Well, I try not to do anything that we've done very recently. So we have... We have as, in, to have as in previous years yeah, for Christmas. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, and... 
also at the same time as choosing the music, I have to choose the the readings. Some of which are from the Bible, others are secular, either pieces of prose or poems. And I know that you 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 occasionally have a little bit of difficulty finding. Well, I something do. I have that, to admit, that strikes I, the right balance. Yeah, yeah, I do find it hard because, well, the spoken word or, or even uh, literature is something I enjoy, but it isn't part of my profession, really. But it's absolutely vital for this concert that the um, combination of words and music creates a, a throughgoing, maybe not narrative exactly, but that there is some sort of method in the sequence. So, I so there's, a sort of, there's a sort of progression through from one end of the concert to the other. Yes, and that the juxtaposition makes sense. Right. So um, whatever we sing uh, needs to be in the context of what's just been heard being spoken. And there needs also to be a, a sort of a point, you know, why would we have this text read in the cathedral? Why would it be included in the concert? Does it in any way add to the musical narrative? We could just have an hour of music, but I want readings to be part of it, partly because that I think is um, part of these Christmas events. You know, we're so used to the format of readings and carols and that's fine, but this is a little bit uh, it, well, it's a sort of a developed version of that. That which was originally developed at King's in Cambridge. Yes, yeah, yeah. which itself really is just um, an iteration of, of a far more ancient type of, of church liturgy. All right. Where um, the office of readings, so-called, or, yeah. or vigils or matins, um, which was exactly that. It's uh, texts, some of them from the Bible, some of them not, um, all religious, of course, interspersed with psalms, responsories, hymns, um, canticles. So music and readings, in other words. Music and readings, in yeah. other words. It's a very ancient form. But I like to, um, again, with the readings, I don't want to have the same things um, year on, year out. I mean... St. Luke or St. Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. I mean, that they tend to come back again and again. Right. I can't think um, why. <laughs> but this year I've been quite keen to bookend the, the concert with um, uh, certain prophetic messages that come, um, shall we say, early on in the Bible um, with uh, a passage from Revelation, the last book in the Bible, um, that actually refers to the prophecies that we're going to hear at the beginning. And then some of the secular texts I've chosen in order to to pick up on some of the, the sort of overarching themes that come particularly from Revelation. The, the book of Revelation deals with what we might call some of you know, the last things, a, a, an apocalyptic vision. And to find texts, one of which um, is a poem written by a soldier who was at the time of writing on the Western Front during the First World War. And therefore, these uh, the idea of last things was very much on his mind, but it's a Christmas poem written at Christmas uh, un under those circumstances. Gosh, it ties together a lot, a lot of threads, doesn't well, it? Well, I, I hope it does. Right, and, in theory and then, at least. So even once I've got those kind of um, signposts ready to go, I then need to make sure that the music is um, a worthy gloss uh, upon the, on all the rest of it. Uh, and um, are you confident that it's going to come together? I'm confident. You, you, look, you never know. It's like any kind of artistic endeavour. You put a lot of thought into it. Um, you use such skill as, as you, you might have, be able to muster. And you present it and, and it goes out and you hope that uh, people take from it at least some of what you hoped that they would. After the concert is over, of course, it's still then a couple of weeks before Christmas itself and the choir is expected to, to assist at the liturgies at Christmas. That's right. And indeed, up up until the concert, I, I don't think we've ever had such a busy lead-up period. We've had so many extra oh, right. things, special liturgies. Um, this coming Saturday, when we normally have had just a, a three-hour rehearsal for Christmas, um, instead we're going to be singing for a Mass, uh, which uh, will celebrate the 150th anniversary of the laying of the foundation stone of the current cathedral. Yeah, the sesquicentenary, which, the is, sesquicentenary, a, which yes, is a word indeed. that people seem to have difficulty with. Yes, I've heard various pronunciations of that word. Um, but nevertheless, we will be we will be singing. We're not going to have to sing that particular word, but um, we'll be singing appropriate music <laughs> instead. And that, that I'm, it, look, it's great to be part of that. And in fact, I've enjoyed just today... Um, looking at a newspaper article summarising the events of the the original blessing of the um, Foundation Stone back in 1868. 
Is that the the Freeman's Journal? No, in fact, this was from um, a New South Wales newspaper. I've forgotten exactly what it was called. Right. It's one that no longer exists. But it was a very thorough write-up of right. exactly uh, what had happened on the day, who had said what, including quoting some of the Latin prayers that had been read, yeah. um, in, also including all of the Latin texts that went on to the... Um, Foundation Stone itself. Rather, rather different from the current day's reporting of uh, uh, Very event, events at church. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some rather archaic um, abbreviations of text were used, right. um, including the ampersand followed by the um, letters C-O dot, which I presume is for and co, yeah. which we might say in text, uh, you know, as speaking, but I'd never seen written down before. Mm-hmm. You also see ampersand C full stop for etc. Yes. Yeah. yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, the music that you sing at Christmas, is that um, largely from the Christmas concert as well? I mean, is there a crossover? Yes, some of the carols that we sing at the Christmas concert will come in the cathedral services. We also have um, a carol service, which is obviously not a concert. It's an out-and-out service of readings and carols in the cathedral on Sunday the 16th of December. It's the fourth Sunday of Advent, isn't That's it? right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it, that takes the place of Vespers at 5pm. Um, and... There'll be something sung in that. Um, then oh, third, other... That's the third Sunday I've went actually this year. It's, oh, you're right. Sorry, it's, it's the sixteenth. Gaudete yeah. Sunday. Gaudete, yeah. Yes, the third Sunday of Advent, the sixteenth. So, yeah, everything in rose, rose-coloured liturgical colour. Uh, yes, that's out yeah. of respect for um, Edith Piaf, who you know liked everything to be in rose. Indeed, that's why I think where that custom comes from. So um, we are we're not singing anything in French, but we are singing something in Italian. Oh yes, um, a carol. The words and music uh, are having been composed by Saint Alphonsus Liguri. So oh, there yes, you who, go. And his his is another name that people have difficulty pronouncing, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a rather charming piece. I mean, it's very Italian in that it's sort of uh, sweet and jolly and, you know, perhaps lacks a little bit of substance, but it's lovely. <laughs> well, that's, that's often what you want at Christmas, it I suspect. It certainly is. And the boys really... Isn't it interesting? We're, we're doing um, a, a really wonderful, joyful, exuberant piece of music by Johann Sebastian Bach in German. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is all those things, but it's also rather difficult. Mm-hmm. And... I have to say, I think the is that because of the language or the music or both. In every in every way, right? It's, it's a difficult. Bach is difficult. Yeah, but the boys find the German difficult. It's it's that um, it's such a, a sort of guttural and even a rhythmic language that it's it's just unlike the normal singing we do, which is often in Latin. The the Latin language lends itself to a more, shall we say, legato approach, whereas um, the German is is more explosive, even when it's set in music. And Bach himself is, is one of the the masters at setting German texts to music. So the boys are struggling with it, but they will get there. On the other hand, the this. Italian piece, they just sing like they've always known it. It's really interesting. That is interesting. Is, is, do you think that's the Latin influence? I mean, I found at school that I, I don't, I don't think we ever sang anything in Italian. But when we sang in French, the occasional piece, um, we always found it very difficult to switch from the Latin pronunciation to the yes. to a, a pronunciation of French. I think French is difficult to sing in <laughs> right, any way. Right. I mean, I, the Latin and Italian thing, well, at least in this piece of music, there's a lot of elision between syllables, yeah. which does happen to some extent in Latin, particularly in office hymns with Gregorian chant, but um, it's not really a feature. And that's one of the things that I find, you know, it can sort of trip you up as you're going. Whereas the boys don't seem to have any problem with it at all. It just seems very natural to them. Some of them, I mean, very few of them speak a little bit of Italian, but maybe it's because we took them there. Yeah. Maybe it was, that's one of the many benefits it. of the trip to Italy. Exactly. Earlier this year, they've they've absorbed that. Yeah. <laughs> there are, of course, a number of services at which the choir will be singing at Christmas. Which is, which is the one that you look forward to the most? Well, well, there are different things to look forward to in different in the different services. There's the the sheer relief at getting past the um, communion motet on Christmas morning. Um, <laughs> then, then really, the home is in, inside. Yes, there's, there's there's something about the Gloria at midnight mass. Um, uh, there's been um, a vigil. The, the service of matins is sung by the scholars first of all. We process in the introit of, of midnight mass is very beautiful. So this is all on on the uh, beginning at the, the vigil that you're talking about. It begins at eleven fifteen. Is that right? That's on right. Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah that's right. In, in the evening. Yeah. And, and then we 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 come into this Dominus Dixit. Uh, the the introit is very beautiful. And then the next thing that we sing is the Gloria. And there are various ways of of 
programming that. Um, what, mass some, you, what mass are you seeing this year? Well, well, in some years we've, we've gone for something that's kind of very festive. For example, the uh, Gloria of the Charpentier Messe de Minuit. Mm-hmm. Appropriately enough. Indeed. Um, or, or Mozart, for example. This year I, I wanted to do something which is a little bit different. We're doing um, a mass by the Spanish composer Cristobal Morales called Missa Queramus Cum Pastoribus. Um, it's a mass which the whole way through has the kind of um, pastoral lilt that you might uh, associate with with the shepherds um Abiding in the fields, oh, right, and and of course, what what's more important about their of, portion of the story than the Gloria? Is it a sort of alpine pastoral lilt, or, or <laughs> I don't know what a Spanish pastoral lilt well, would sound like? Uh, Morales does does have a sort of uh, Spanish flavour to his music, but um, for me, it's just it's it's part of the the stillness of that night. It's it's very very beautiful music, but it's not um, it's not active. It's not um, trumpets and drums, or you know, it's 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 something. That's other. interesting. It's very much music of of the night time. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. But my favourite service is the very first Christmas service that we sing, which is the um, the first vespers of Christmas at, at five o'clock on Christmas Eve. Um, in the, that's in the afternoon. Yeah. In the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, not in the morning. That's that's really the 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 beginning of Christmas. The the first music of that is, um, if you like, uh, the office hymn. Um, and you have the full choir for that. We do, yes, yeah, men and so, boys. And yeah. whereas normally at Vespers all the psalms are sung to Gregorian chant, they're still with Gregorian chant, but every second verse is what we call a faux-borden or, or an um, opulently harmonised version of that did, Gregorian did chant. Did you write those? Um, actually, no. They, they're, um, some of them have come from, from other churches, um, but uh, they're all very festive. Oh, yes. And the, the if you like, Vespers is... Um, Really, a great crescendo towards the Magnificat. Um, yep. And again, that's such an important part of the Christmas story. Looking back to to when Mary first received the the, the news that she was to become the Mother of God, um, and sang her Magnificat. It seems wonderful to sing that. I don't know if she Christmas sang it. Eve. Does the gospel say that she sang it? One might presume that oh, she okay. did. Right. That's, that's our <laughs> she, justification, She loved it? singing, did Mary. Right. Oh, she did. She was there swathed in blue. Uh, I always learn fascinating things from you, Thomas. Well, look, I only know it from looking at the, uh, the photographic evidence. So what, it sounds like what you're doing is trying to encourage people to come to the first Vespers. Well, I think it's worth it. I mean, I, my, I really my, my slightly um, amused experience of having been to the first Vespers uh, a few occasions is that it's full of people who don't know what's going on because they're all just there very early for the for the for the first mass of Christmas, which isn't sung by the choir, but it's uh, uh, otherwise musically provided for. Uh, but um, yeah, every, every a lot of people then, milling around. Every now and then, I, I if if I'm not conducting vespers and mass, say it's the lay clerks. I like to go into the cathedral and, and hear them sing. And so often, you find people that are, as you say, milling around, and they'll say, "What time is mass?" <laughs> and I say, "Well, mass is at five thirty. It's, it's shortly." Is this mass? No, it's not mass. This is vespers. Ah, is is but mass? <laughs> no, mass is at five thirty. Ah. Not this? No. <laughs> there is a confusion. There is, and it is a little bit upsetting because, I mean, you've been performing Vespers or praying Vespers in the cathedral day in, day out for quite a long time. Well, that's true. And there are true. a lot of people who who seem to come regularly to the cathedral, but they, they will never kind of come and sit where there's Vespers going on. They'll, they'll... But I don't think that matters. In fact, one of the things that I think is really important about cathedral worship, as opposed to the, the um, daily activity of a parish church is that I think people should be able to walk in the door and just experience whatever is going on in the cathedral in their own way. Sure. Um, whether that is mass, um, whether that means they want to sit in the front pew and participate in mass, or whether mass or vespers or anything else is going on and they t- they just want to be in the building, know that it's happening, and take whatever it is that they, that they take, take from, from it. it. Right. I think that's very important. But what is also important is that the office, the prayer of the church is being prayed in that building, that those stones are resonating with um, the the words and melodies that, that have, have been part of the church's worship for centuries. 
there's a lot of preparation that's involved in in all of this that we've been hearing about. No doubt there are there are things that you 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 don't deign to mention on the podcast. <laughs> um, oh, not much. We don't really edit these, do we? No, that's right. No, no. That's right. No, that's but. Um, do are you saying sane? <laughs> Look, it's all relative, isn't it? Sanity. I suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the end of the year, or approaching the end of the year, and um, it's been a busy year. It has been busy, and I, I certainly sense that the boys are tired, and um, as school is winding down, you know, there's a great temptation to to sort of shut down in every respect. Um, but I think the boys and I are managing to, um, you know, stay civil to one another. There are some sort of pet peeves that um, always occur at this time that, that sort of annoy me. One of them is that the, uh, you won't be surprised to hear that a word that comes up quite frequently in Christmas carols is Bethlehem. And that word is at least in all the, the carols that we sing, which, let's be honest, are, are nearly all English, designed to be sung, Bethlehem. But in this part of the world, and indeed growing up myself, it was always Bethlehem. But it just sounds wrong to hear, oh, little town of Bethlehem. It's just, no, it's a little town of Bethlehem. So you're so, not a fan of the schwa, is what you're saying? Well, I'm a fan of the schwa in German, uh-huh. <laughs> and we're appropriate in English, of course, and, and some of the choruses actually have learnt this word schwa. Okay. And so when we've been doing Jaxet um, Frohlocket, um, what is it, Auf Preiset die Tage, um, they've had to learn about the schwa. Excellent. But not in Bethlehem, no. Not Bethlehem. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Bethlehem. So I've actually gone to the extent of writing an extra E in the boys, in the choir's music. But you watch. Every time that word comes up. <laughs> hundreds of years from now, you will have changed the spelling. <laughs> that's, that's how they think it's spelled. Right. Uh, but then, of course, we have the problem that um, we sing the first verse, usually at midnight mass, of um, O Come... Or ye faithful, um, what is in, it? Yeah, I'll come with ye faithful. Better. Adeste fidelis. In Latin. In Latin. Yeah. And in Latin, it's Bethlehem. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always Bethlehem, except when it isn't. <laughs> well, when it's in another language, you mean. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. But that's, I have to say, at St. Mary's Cathedral, there are many rules that I've brought in that are basically, we always accept when we never. Right. Mm. Well, I mean, isn't that what the phrase, the exception which proves the rule means? Well, that's true. Yeah. Yes. That as soon as you as soon as you stop doing something and you notice it, then then you've demonstrated that the rule exists. So, exactly right. Yeah. Um, and um, I think um, from what from conversations off the podcast, because we do actually talk sometimes when we're not haven't got microphones in our hand. <laughs> um, you've got other pet peeves that you're saving up for future episodes. Well, yes, we thought, didn't we, that it could be it could become a feature of our of our podcast. We yeah, got to fill it with something because you know I, I'm. I'm nothing if not loquacious, and there are certainly certain annoyances that that could come up, that could be discussed. Brilliant. Oh, that's the elves just tearing off some aluminium foil. It's magical aluminium foil, though. Hmm. Yeah, with the elves. Have you noticed that cling film, is it glad wrap in this country? It's called glad wrap. It's lost its... Clinginess. I noticed that here it was a lot clingier than it was in England for a period. Really? Whereas, and I think it's to do with... um, Environmental friendliness. I don't know if it's environmental friendliness or child safety. Oh, but yeah. some some form of do-gooding has spoiled the clinginess of cling film. Yes. That- have you are you saying that you've noticed that here the glad wrap or the cling film or the cling wrap is less clingy than it once it was? Well, I think for many years I've resisted the need to ever use cling film. But as I get older and slightly more domestic, well, let's say to say worn down by the pressures of life, and have finally realized that maybe I should occasionally keep food rather than throwing it away. Right. And do you Um, wash your underwear or do you just replace that every day? (laughs) These these are the questions that the podcast listeners want answered. I I certainly wash all my clothes, but I don't need to wrap them in plastic. No, that's true. Um, But recently having, you know, re-entered the world of cling film users, um, (laughs) I, I have been disappointed at its efficacy. Right. Well, it's funny that you should mention wrap. Because I have some some Christmas presents that, that oh. might be worthy of discussion. Yeah, I was probably also supposed to bring some Christmas presents. That doesn't but, matter. That's fine. I, I I'm uh, not surprised. But uh, <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's begin with this one for you to. Oh, beautifully wrapped. Thank you. Um, golden paper, golden paper. Um, 
rather crudely fastened with sellotape. Yes. That's okay. And I see it's that sort of invisible variety of sellotape, which when applied to golden wrapping paper... Seems not to go be invisible. anything but invisible. In, indeed. But no, no, it's okay because yeah. it's, as they say, the thought that counts. Except when it isn't. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of thought. Well, it's not a bottle of wine. No. Nor no. is it Lego. Oh, dear. <laughs> now, it's very funny that it should be this because actually I have seen this advertised. Oh, yeah. And thought, but well, how were they able to um, whittle it down? <laughs> I think you have to tell the listeners what it is. I mean, and, and we can either hit the bleep button or you can censor yourself. I don't think, I mean, I don't think we are censored in any way, are we? Well, we want to keep the, the, the family-friendly rating on iTunes. We do. We do. Probably. Well, I can describe the title of the book this way. Um because the words, the, the first word I won't say, but the remaining words are towns of New Zealand, and the words are encased within a brown sort of swirly emoji. Shape. Yeah, which is otherwise known like, as an it emoji. It is like a yeah. dark type of emoji. And then there are some, some quotations on the left-hand side. One of them says, pretty funny. The other one says, Offensive. Yeah, and who is it who 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 said offensive? Todd McClay. Is Todd he someone McClay. you know? No, but he's the is he the He's the Rotorua MP. Right. There are more pages in this book than there are towns in New Zealand. Well there are there are a lot of pictures though. That's that's nice. There are. And the trouble is that as I say, there are many towns in New Zealand that might well be encased within that particular emoji. I remember that uh, the town I grew up, which was called Hamilton, had a sign at the city limits. So you'd see it as you arrived saying, Hamilton, more than you'd expect, which is basically <laughs> like, as, as we might as well say, not as bad as you'd think. Yeah, it's quite an <laughs> understatement, isn't it? Yeah, it was possibly removed because it was found to be un true but <laughs> no in fact this is just really a fairly exhaustive listing of all the towns in new zealand right and it and it tells you what what is emoji about them indeed yeah and um have you have you found hamilton in the in the in the not book? yet okay. i'm just dwelling on the the collection of new zealand's worst big things because i know that that's very important to australia yeah big things are, big are, things. are a big thing in australia aren't they yeah, we've got the, absolutely. the big merino Yep. The big lobster. There's the big bogan. The big bogan? Yeah, there's a big bogan in Boganshire. Is that like a, a person? Yeah, it's an enormous statue, I think, of a, of a bloke in thongs with a uh, singlet carrying... Uh, we should just say for our international view listeners that thongs are, in fact, footwear. Yeah, footwear. They're mm. uh, what in uh, other places might be called flip-flops mm. or... Um, something but uh yeah and he's carrying a, a stubby which is also for our many international listeners a beer can see one of the towns that's mentioned here and actually i've just seen because they have something listed um in the the, the big things category is a town called bulls bulls yes north island or south North Island. Right. Um, I used to drive through Bulls when I was going from Hamilton to Wellington. It's closer to Wellington than it is to Hamilton. Um, but a lot of the, the important features in that town have been relabeled using the word bull. Okay. Such as? Well, so so the, the pub would be drinkable. Ah, oh, right. You see? Have that's you, quite... You, that's you worked that one out? Clever. The yeah. first time you hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be careful because obviously the, the police station... Could could have been <laughs> renamed the the well no. <laughs> <laughs> but one that I had I was not previously aware of is Morinsville's mega cow. Oh right, because now, is I Morinsville thought, also a place known to you? Yeah, Morinsville certainly is, but uh, I I wasn't aware of the mega cow. But apparently, the general illiteracy in Morinsville meant that the townsfolk have never read the Bible and were happy to repeat the heresy of the goal of building a golden calf of their own. <laughs> oh right, with their giant cow, yeah, mega cow, mega cow. Mega. Sorry, yes, mega. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if Hamilton is... I did find Hamilton in the book earlier. Really? I'm, uh, I'm very yeah. surprised that it would be here because... You think it doesn't... It's not... It's not. It's a glorious place. Okay. Are we ready? Oh, absolutely. Hamilton. If Budapest is the Queen of the Danube, then Hamilton is the Prince Albert of the Waikato. <laughs> That's good. The so-called <laughs> City of the Future is a post-apocalyptic wasteland built on a swamp, awash with feral bogans, brain-damaged boy races, and a plethora of STDs that make the Ebola virus look like a minor sniffle. <laughs> 
Hamilton also features a putrid river full of dead livestock. I don't think that's fair. No. The river is right. It is very brown, but it's lovely. And okay. it's not full of anything because it moves so fast that anything that falls into it is washed, washed away down very, to the very, next very quickly. Down the yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, this is true. A contaminated lake overrun by diseased ducks. If you ever fall in the lake, you'd just end it all. Right. It's, it's not pleasant. In have fact, you, have you, how close to the lake have you ever been? Well, it's nice to walk around, but I wouldn't want to get in it. No. And I have witnessed people down at the lake attempting to catch a duck in a plastic bag, presumably as part of their restaurant. Right. Uh, I suppose you could say that if that duck was able to just you know, peer outside of the plastic bag, it might be peeking. It would indeed. Yes. H-Town is famous for its... Is it, have you ever called it H-Town? Never. No. No, never, ever, ever. I didn't know that that, that it could be. Right. Well, that's it, good to we know, used though. to call it the Tron. The Tron? Hmm. Tron. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like something out of Star Trek. <laughs> Ah, now this I knew. Hamilton's most famous son, Richard O'Brien, who may be better known to the listeners as Riff Raff from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yes. In fact, Richard O'Brien wrote the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right. And he has a statue in one of the larger streets in the city of Hamilton as Riff Raff. Excellent. Well, I mean, he really has kind of made the most of that character then. He has. Well, I think because that character really was basically just him. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's, that's right. There you go. Population 165,400. And then I remember well when Hamilton reached 100,000 people because we had a big party in the street. Was everyone invited? Everyone. That's a lot of... All 100,000 people. That's a lot of finger sandwiches. Right. Yeah, it was was quite something. Apparently the town slogan is City of the Future, which, as we've said, that may be a misnomer. I think this book might be, you know, just a a somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Yes, let's hope so. I mean, I believe it's 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 all gleaned from a Facebook group, so therefore it's fine. <laughs> well, it's good that they... Anyway, you'll enjoy that. They've printed you'll that en- off. <laughs> you'll enjoy that. Yeah, exactly. And it's a way of making money at Christmas, isn't it? Uh, and now, now this is this is next for you. Oh. Now, it's actually not strictly for you, but... Okay, right, well... Sounds like a Spanish festival. Uh, oh, right! It's an Essentials Cat Collar. Yeah, it's essentials. Yeah, I... Now, do you want to explain why why you've been given that? I don't tend to wear collars. No, well, you're not the cat. <laughs> I see. This is this is for my my little cat, Hubert. Yes, he's a new a new arrival. Uh, he is a new arrival. Yes, and actually he will look very fine in that. That's very beautiful. That's a nice colour on it. It is a nice colour. I think you would call that aquamarine. Probably, yeah. Is that what you yeah. would have said? Aquamarine or, or just a light turquoise? Light turquoise. Oh, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Well, that's, that's lovely. Thank and you very j- much. And it has a little bell. Yes. Which is very good for annoying his owner. Yeah, that, that yep. absolutely was not my intention no. at all, actually. <laughs> Listener, yes, it was. But uh... Uh, It's lovely. He'll, he'll like that very much. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's and a, how's that going a, for, nice. with Hubert or Jeffrey? I'd rather call him Jeffrey. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's more kind of Hubert Parry than... than Benjamin Britten's Jeffrey. Okay. But um, he's he's lovely. Uh, I think that he and the Christmas tree are destined to get to know each other rather better than I might have hoped. Right. Um, But uh, He thinks that it's a a toy for him, does he? He does, but he thinks everything in in my my flat is a toy for him. Right. Well, I can't blame him. I mean, you know. (laughs) Well, and and in many ways, so it should be. Evidently. Well, that's that's very nice of you. Hmm. And finally, just, just something with which we can probably conclude the podcast. Right. Yep. Um, Oh, look at that. It's a little tin labelled family time. Family time. And, you know, if you can't give the gift of time this Christmas... What can you give? And no. I don't mean the herb. I don't. Don't don't give any of your friends a bunch of old dead weed because that won't go down well. No, that's 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 solid advice right there. But this is after dinner amusements for mm. family time. Yep. Yep. There you go. So the conversation starters. It's always nice to have something. Should we just see what we got here? Ha- nice to have something with which to start the conversation. Okay, I'll, I'm going to get a few out in case I don't like the first one. That yeah, comes. no, I think I think that's probably wise because I, I went through them earlier. That some are not so likable. Describe your family in five words. I probably won't. No, <laughs> that, that, that could be dangerous. Oh, if you could be any age, what age would you be and why? Okay, I'd be thirty. Right. I liked it. <laughs> you liked it when you were 30? It was good being 30. You were I had here. A really, I was here and we had a really nice party. 
That was for the birthday itself. That's right. Well, my best friend, one of my best friends organized this lovely um, evening and uh, everyone came and uh, it was nice and yeah, it was good. So that's that. Now it's your turn. Um, well, have you ever been skydiving? If not, would you ever? I have not and I might. I have not and I probably wouldn't. You wouldn't? No. But it's fine to do it, isn't it? I mean, well, generally, generally safe. But it, 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 I mean, you do occasionally hear of the odd accident, and it's a pretty horrid way to go. Yeah, but people die on the road, and uh, you know, in all yeah. sorts of ways. Happy Christmas, everyone. <laughs> but yeah, I remember in, at school, and um, would be the equivalent of maybe year six. Um, we went on camp, and one of the things was jumping out of an enormous tree with a harness and all this. And I remember th- th- at that moment thinking, I really don't want to do this, but the odds are it'll be fine and well, you just have to. And so I jumped out of the tree and loved it and thought it was amazing. And I've, I often think of that, you know, things that we don't want to do, but it'll probably be fine. And actually it's rather good if you do. And I think skydiving is one. I mean, obviously I've done other things in that regard. In fact, coming up in the next few weeks, we have to take the boys uh, to somewhere uh, called Wet and Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, That's the boys' Christmas treat. It is, and and they will become both th- those things. Yeah, and um, I at that have to do things that I don't really want to do. There's one where you go in a. That sounds a it's bit like ominous. a sort of um, plastic coffin, standing up, an upended coffin, and you go in. They close the door, and then when the the operator can be bothered, he sets off a countdown. Okay. But I can't. They don't tell you how many they're going to count. And what happens at the end of the countdown is that the floor underneath your feet disappears, and you go ninety degrees down a chute, and you just you just drop. Right. And, and there's water. Where do you end up though? Well, in, in a swimming pool. And so you end up both wet and but wild. But you go. At that you go. Point. There's a loop de loop as you go. I mean, but Golly. initially it's just vertical. Now, who's making you do that? Though? The boys. And what's their coercive technique? Well, to be honest, they don't have to try very hard because my personality is such that I'm absolutely not going to let them think that I wouldn't do it. But I hate it. (laughs) I I really hate it. In fact, even thinking about it now, that is not fun. I mean, I quite like some aspects of it. And the other parts of the, the water park are enjoyable. But that one, I just think, is awful. And it's not so much the, 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 the well, once you're going, it's fine. It's the waiting in the coffin before they, it's not, it doesn't look like a coffin, but waiting in the tube before the floor disappears. It's that anticipation. And watching the, you know, the hapless person with, the, with his shorts and, you know, sunglasses on deciding where Would he's going to the floor. Would you rather he wore a tie? Is that what you're saying? No, I'd rather I had the button. Ah, okay. You you like to be in control of your own destiny. Yeah, that's right. That's understandable. Um, do the boys know you don't like it? Is that part of why they... I think they have an inkling. I think they don't like it themselves, but they right. are determined to do it. Some of them. Some of them absolutely won't. Okay. I'm guessing there's a there's an adrenaline element. Oh, well, there certainly is. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. Anyway, on with the next question. Yep. What is special about the neighbourhood you grew up in or the one you live in now? Well, let's do the one I live in now, which is the glorious neighbourhood of Wulumulu. Mm, there's a lot of O's. There are a lot of O's, that's right. You just write a load of O's and then slot in a few L's and a W. Um, and an M. It's, um, it's like a little village, but it's right in the middle of Sydney, near the harbour. So it's very near some beautiful places. <laughs> but not actually in them. Well, no. No, it, the charm of Woolloomooloo is very much in its local people. Yes, there are, there are some characters in, in, in Woolloomooloo, I believe. There are, yeah. of whom I have become fond. Yeah. And um, it's got some nice places, some lovely re- restaurants, cafes, and uh, a pub. Yeah. And, uh, and you see the locals, and you ch- stop and chat, and yeah, I, I'm very fond of where I live. Nowhere you'd rather live? Well... <laughs> Yeah, perhaps, uh, you know, if one could live anywhere, there might be other things. But I'm very happy living here. Good. And on that note, um, I think we should probably wish our listeners a happy Christmas. Mm. And that we hope that they'll carry on listening and we'll be able to reach their ears sometime next year with more original content. They should all come to the Christmas concert and tell me what they think of the introduction that I've written in the programme. They can write in. Can they write in or can we have a phone in? Uh, well, I don't know if we can necessarily do a phone in. That might be a bit complicated. Oh, but I they wanting can... to watch the lines light up. Yeah. Well, I think they're already starting to. 
but uh, what they can do is they can leave a comment on the this this episode's page that on the be website. Excellent. So that's yeah. a, there's a challenge. There's some homework for the listeners. Yeah. So if they go to cathedralchoir.sydney/podcast and find this episode, which is I think episode number nine, Christmas 2018. Uh, and then they can leave a comment on that page. And, and we, what, what Thomas would really like to know is exactly what you thought of uh, his introduction in the programme for the, the Choral Christmas Celebration, which is going to be on Friday the 14th of December this year. Two performances, 11am, uh, 7pm. That That's right? correct. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you can do, I mean, as well as leaving comments there, if you would care to leave reviews for us on iTunes, that's great. It really does help. Ideally, you would leave a positive review, but even a negative review. I mean, I, I somehow algorithms and machine learning that that helps us. Uh, and um, if you're not subscribed properly to the podcast, then then do please subscribe as well. Um, I know some people follow the links that we post on the Facebook page and just on the website, but if you subscribe, that also helps to, to promote the podcast and thus to promote the choir as well. Or you can just hang around the cafes in Woolloomooloo yeah. and say hello in person. Yeah, you're mm. sure to see Thomas at some point, or at least some of his neighbours. Mm. And uh, a happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Thank you.